0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Jason Martell with us. We're going to take calls with Jason next hour. We're talking about going to Mars. Jason, you so eloquently answered what happens if we just landed in certain areas of Mars. What happens, in your opinion, what do we see if we go to Cydonia? And the astronauts are looking up at this huge structure they probably can't tell what it is from the ground, the ground level, but from above, of course, you can. But what do you think they see out there?
0: You know, they, there was a movie they did about, oh, I think, 15 years ago now called Mission to Mars, where they actually, like, roll up to the face and hit it with some radar, and then dust blows off it from the vibrations, and it's this crystalline, huge, alien face, you know. Um, I don't really know what's going to ha- I don't think it's going to be that um, illustrious. But I do think that when we actually visit Cydonia, there's going to be some key markers that are going to make us realize there there, there has to be some type of Mars-Earth connection. Even from, from where we sit here, looking at Mars, we've been able to identify that in that Cydonia region, the pyramidal structures, the d pyramid, um, the face, everything seems to have a very strong connection to Egypt. So... What I find interesting, George, is that even on our own planet, we can't even figure out what the pyramids were used for uh, deep in the past. But, you know, looking at, again, through the technological lens, the pyramids were some type of energy device. We know that there must have been some type of ancient world energy grid that shared some type of subtle energy or some type of energy that we don't understand. I bet this extended off-planet and might even been a network that was connected to Cydonia. So, Maybe we'll find some advanced technologies or things that can, you know, further push the envelope of understanding what we have here on, you know, on Earth. Things that we might have found in Egypt that they just haven't made public. Maybe those will be some opportunities to finally surface them when we set foot on Mars.
1: Well, in Egypt as well, Cairo means Mars. I find that to be fascinating. Don't you?
0: Yeah, that's that is that is actually quite interesting. You know, and. Uh, When we look into the history books, there's lots of mentions of Mars. Even in some of the ancient Sumerian writings, they speak of exiling a god on Mars. And actually, Sitchin went to great lengths to say that the face was actually carved out of one of these ancient Anunnaki. So it's a really deep question for us to answer, sitting thousands of miles away and trying to answer it. So I think, George, when we actually visit Sidonia with people there the tools that will have capable, meaning if you asked me, like if I was one of the fortunate people to be on the mission and, and, you know, I, I do have a proposal that I've been trying to get in front of Elon Musk around advanced archeology span off planet earth. He wants us to go to Mars. Guess what? We've already been there. I think if I was to go to Mars, I would want to equip myself with the right tools, just like we have here on earth. Mm-hmm. So I probably take a couple of DGI drones, you know, uh, uh, equipped with some advanced radar, that sort of thing, um, uh, being able to you know, look for subtle energy and, and understand like where these things are emanating from. So a lot of the practices that we've put up to explore ancient sites here I think would also apply to expeditions on Mars.
1: Let's assume for a moment, Jason, that Mars was loaded with a civilization much like ours now. What do you think happened to that planet? If it had an atmosphere, if it had greenery, if it had oceans, something tragic happened there. What do you think it was?
0: Well, I'm going to speculate, George. And, you know, the, the research that we've been doing through, rest his soul, uh, Dr. Tom Van Flandrin. Mm-hmm. heard that name in a while. Miss him. It's exploded Planet Hypothesis. Um, many others, you know, Sitchin, looking at the Planet X model, which we can probably touch on later. There's lots of evidence to show that our solar system's been bombarded, even our own planet, you know, dinosaurs and such, Yucatan Crater. We've been bombarded by, you know, events happening for quite a long time, and so Mars is no different. Most likely, um, they were subjected to some type of a large blast that just rocked their planet's atmosphere, um, probably in a very quick manner, which, you know, is a little alarming, Um I don't think we're really, really going to know those answers though, until we have a better understanding of our our current solar system dynamics. Um, and that's you know still into question as to how we look at our static model of just one sun. And is that really the case? So
1: Is it conceivable if they had high technology, and that is spaceships, that they knew something was headed their way because of science, and they all got in these craft and came to Earth?
0: Well, now you're getting into some some fun angles there of, again, the Mars-Earth connection. Yeah, I think, you know, when we look at Cydonia, we're not talking about something that was built, you know, 1,000 years ago or even 10,000 years ago. Comparing it to what we have in Egypt, Egypt wasn't most likely, as far as the Pyramid, Sphinx. They weren't built 2,500 B.C. These were structures built more like 10,000, 15,000 B.C. So looking at Cydonia, these probably go back hundreds of thousands of years, uh, you know, as far as a timeline scale. And so that's, I think, going to open up a much deeper view of our history than we we currently have access to.
1: I think the asteroid belt might either be one of two things, either a planet that might have collided with Mars and blew up, or it's uh, a series of uh, what could have been a planet that just never formed, and the only thing that formed were these rocks that turned out to be asteroids. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the current science, and a little bit of stitching sprinkled in there is, you know, the the model shows us that, and here's the the UFO angle on it, too, is we've heard the phrase MJ-12. Well, it turns out that MJ-12 could also stand for Mars-Jupiter-12th planet, because right in between Mars and Jupiter, where the asteroid belt is, there's enough room for a much larger body, four to eight times the size of Earth, to be freely passing in that area where the asteroid belt is. So, yeah, most likely there was some large collision. If you look at the accounts of Sitchin and, and, and the uh, the Atrahasis and the you know the epics of creation from Sumerian lens, he basically is saying that Nibiru, uh, an external planet, smacked our primitive Earth. That wasn't even called Earth then. It was called Tiamat. But Earth was literally in a collision with one of the moons of this other planet. You know, this large planet comes by and it has debris, and one of the moons smacked our Earth so hard that it whacked it into half a planet, moved it into its new position, and that's what strewed out this debris, the hammered-out bracelet, as the Bible calls it, into our current asteroid belt. You'd think that they'd be looking into this more and want to, you know, verify our celestial origins, but no, even these questions are left to us as ufologists and others to really question our history of what's written in the text to say, no, it's not a mythological tale, folks. It's actual hard science.
1: Jason, explain for us what precession is and its effects on us.
0: You know, Sitchin did a really good job of explaining that our solar system can have external influences, like a Planet X. Ever since then, the idea of an Nibiru and these topics have really sparked the public's interest. When I started to look into these topics, I was fascinated, and it led me on a journey of looking into our past. It turns out that all of the current sciences that we have line up with data that's been coming out of ancient cultures for thousands of years, and we just weren't ready to hear it. One of the biggest changes is the fact in understanding that our solar system most likely isn't static, and it's not just one sun. We're probably orbiting another sun. And so, if you, if, you, if you can take a mental shift, and we can talk about this more, but if you can take a mental shift to say that our sun is in orbit around another body, a binary solar system is what it's called, more than one sun. If our sun is orbiting another solar system, probably Sirius A and B, that means that all of us, like the Earth, the Jupiter, Mars, all of these planets spinning around the sun, we're actually in motion constantly. If our sun is orbiting another body, we're going along for the ride. And so that changes how we see the, the view of the heavens. And so up until now, modern astronomers have been calculating something that all the ancients were aware of called precession. And they're like, wow, there's this 24,000-year advance cycle that somehow the ancients broke it down into a really cool calendar called the 12 Houses of the Zodiac, where we go through a 2,000-year cycle, and the North Star switches to a different constellation. But there's, it's a huge cycle, George, and somehow they is. mapped it, and it does seem to affect the rise and fall of civilizations uh, here on Earth, and we can talk about some of that breakdown so that people can understand it more.
1: And there's also talk, Jason, that there might have been some kind of nuclear holocaust on Mars. What do you think of that possibility?
0: Well, yeah, going back to the Mars piece there for a sec, I I, I would say that that probably has some resonance of truth to it. There's There's enough evidence here on Earth to look at our ancient sites and say, well, where did they go or why did these technologies stop? Um, Even Sitchin commented that the Sinai Peninsula, he asked scientists, why is it all covered in like heated glass? Why are these sands heated to the point that they look like they've been vitrified, made into glass? He said, well, we don't know. It looks like there's probably volcanoes or something. There's, There's no volcanoes in the Sinai Peninsula. But there were ancient wars they they actually talk about detonating huge weapons. So if those civilizations were happening here on earth 10,000, 15,000 years ago, I can only imagine the connection of what might have been taking place on Sidonia, either, you know, another land grab of 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 ownership and dominance or who knows? But the wars in the heavens didn't just happen in the skies of Earth. They probably extended into the solar system as well.
1: Well, Jason Martell, his website is his name, linked up at com. You also can see him quite frequently on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. His book is Knowledge Apocalypse. And there, there, there are some people who believe in the different theories about Mars and the different theories about planet Earth. And in your opinion... Some people believe that there are humans on Mars right now, Jason, underground in caverns by the tunes of millions. I find that hard to believe. How about you?
0: Well, you know, we've been talking about these topics for so long that, you know, I tried to keep myself grounded in science and things that we can prove. Um, So there are a lot of people in our spectrum of the field that say that they've been transported to Mars. They were in the military and were... Privately, you know, using some doorway in L.A. and they were there in three minutes, like a Stargate. Um, I am very positive that there's a lot of technologies. I I love the show Stargate and Cheyenne Mountains Complex. Oh, yeah. Most likely, I think, probably all that it does exist. But do we have access to it? Or is it going to be something that I can help push forward through the public lens? No, right? So we have to, you know, utilize technologies and things that are going to be accessible to the general public. Um, And and that's kind of, I think, our best bet is to to highlight those avenues first.
1: If we go to Mars in 2026 or 2030s, how long do you think those astronauts will stay on Mars initially?
0: It's a permanent settlement, George. So the game plan from what I've researched is that SpaceX plans to, you know, start a presence on the moon. And then with that, having a permanent setup there, use that as a way station to, tunnel, to funnel supplies and do things also to Mars. And then once you have the, the moon base set up as well as transport to Mars set up, then you can start to bring in the heavy payloads, the heavier starships to bring in you know, different things that you would need. But uh, I think this would probably be more of a ground up, meaning once you're there on Mars, the raw materials that you need to build things – um, to set up a foundation, it's all pretty much uh, already there, uh, you know, on the planet.
1: Are they going to revolve the astronauts, or are they going to, once you're there, you stay there? Yeah, that's the...
0: I You know, in reading some of this stuff, like, you know, they're being very forward with this. People are going to die on their way to Mars. People are going to die when they first land on you, Mars. You mean naturally
1: really? die? They're going to die of heart attacks or whatever no, happens, they're right? Gonna,
0: they're going to die from... From stuff that happens as pioneers going well, that
1: that, to... that that's true. But they could die naturally too, just because of the oh, t- yeah. time, you know.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is that they're being very clear and upfront that this isn't a mission of joy. This is pushing the envelope forward, and people will make sacrifices. But they will be, they will be living there as a permanent settlement. And you know, I'm, so to yeah, your point. Not only will they be dying, but maybe also giving birth.
1: The late science fiction writer Jerry Purnell, who has passed on, told me a story once. His his editor and my editor were the same when we were publishing books and writing books. And he said that in an effort to beat the Soviet Union to the, the moon, which we did, that in an effort to beat them, had we not done the Apollo program that we did, that they planned on sending an astronaut to the moon... He was going to live in a capsule or some kind of hut type thing, and they were going to drop supplies to him. But he was—it was a one-way mission. Had you ever heard oh. that story? I haven't, but it makes me wonder. To beat the Russians, I, they would have sent—just sent, to beat the Russians, we would have sent a person to the moon, dumped him there, and he would have lived there for the rest of his life.
0: Oh my God! Well. It does make me wonder again looking at it from from you know our lens of understanding that the moon is probably already occupied and that when they first landed there some of the quotes are why are you sending us here in tricycles when the military is already here in ferraris so i i would wonder too that even if they had that plan were they quickly to be like ooh man that's not going to work he's quickly going to have a problem with the people two blocks down on the dark side that are going to constantly come over and tell them to leave. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.